Amen. All right. Notice what it says in verse 21 of John chapter 20. It says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Now, what is this? What does that passage mean exactly when Jesus said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost? That's an important question I think we need to be able to answer because um, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of dispute out there about what that means. Because here's the thing we believe when a person gets saved, they're indwelt by the Holy Ghost. So, were they not, you know, did they not have the Holy Ghost inside them as believers yet at this point? What was the purpose of this here? when He said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So we're going to look at several passages where it talks about this. I believe this is talking about something very specific. And the title of my message tonight, I'm continuing a series called Decently and in Order. And specifically what I'm talking about tonight is planning churches and ordinations. Now, I need everybody tonight to listen quick. I've got a lot of stuff I want to try to cover. I'm hoping I can get all of this in tonight. I promise not to keep you here forever. Do you think maybe we can turn that off? I, just, I want to feel like everybody's hearing me and getting this. i got to concentrate tonight. All right. So, a lot of stuff very important needs to be covered here. So, after the resurrection of Jesus, we see what I believe God, Jesus is doing right here is He is commissioning these His 11 disciples this time, not just to preach the Gospel, but He is authorizing them, I believe, to go and start churches here. He is giving them his authority here on earth. He is setting up these men, these apostles, as his authority here on earth. Jesus Christ, he obviously is the head of the church, is he not? But he physically is not here on earth. And so he has commissioned others to do his work, and he has given others his authority on his behalf while he's here, and he originally gave it to men. Alright, y'all understand that? Now look what it says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. This is a passage of Scripture that is often <clears throat> disputed. And I'm afraid we've let the Catholics scare us away from the proper interpretation of this passage. In Matthew 16, verse 18, it says, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, the Catholics use this to prove that Peter was the first pope, and he's the rock that the church was built upon. The Baptists, they say, no, Peter wasn't the first pope. Peter's not the rock that the church is built upon. Jesus is the rock that the church is built upon. And that sounds pretty good, but the thing is, Jesus said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Well, if you go to the Greek, you know, Peter means stone like a pebble, like a really small stone. Well, here's the thing. I personally believe what Jesus is saying here is He is telling Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. But it's not just Peter. Because that actually lines up with Ephesians chapter 2. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 19. Because remember, I believe that as a church, we are a continuation of something that was before the New Testament. We are a continuation of the church that was in the wilderness. We are connected with Israel of the Old Testament, are we not? There, and I've proved that before. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. 
But look what it says in Ephesians chapter two, verse nineteen. I didn't even turn there yet. I need to. I need to get there myself. Otherwise, I'm going to quote it wrong. Ephesians two nineteen and twenty it says, "Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets." Was Peter an apostle? Yes. And we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So does that make Peter the most important thing? No, because Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. So listen, the church is built on Jesus Christ, but the church is also... We don't believe in a universal church. We're not a spiritual thing. We, we are a real, physical thing. And the church is not a building. The church is the people. And the foundation of the church that Jesus built the church upon, it was built on the foundation of the apostles like Peter and the prophets. Why? Because we have the Old Testament too that we get our doctrine from. And that a foundation that was built upon, it was something that was there in the Old Testament, something that we are now fellow citizens with, something that we are connected to, that church that was in the wilderness. We are a part of that. It's different. That was the foundation. But Christ has built His church and He built it on people. And that foundation of it was with the apostles and what was in the Old Testament and with the apostles. So the church was built on Peter, but not just Peter. And you know, we're a part of that building. So don't get too freaked out by me saying that Peter is a rock that the church is built on. We're a part of that too. That's what the Bible is teaching. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 is teaching. So don't let the Catholics scare you away from interpreting that properly. Okay? They're adding stuff to it that's not right. So here when, in, when Jesus said this to Peter, he, what did He say? Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Jesus said the same thing to all the disciples in another, in another story. We're not going to take time to go over there. He had said the same thing to them. He said, where two or three are gathered in My name, there am I in the midst of them. What is He doing here? He is saying that heaven is backing up your authority. And the earthly authority for the things of God on earth is the church. It's right here. It's something we can see. It is the people of God. Jesus Christ, it started with Him. He had that authority. And when He breathed on the disciples and He said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, He was giving them authority. The proof of that is what He says right after that. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted. Whoever sins ye retain, they are retained. And he, is, he was giving them authority. And so a pastor who realizes what we are and the authority that we have been given is going to take what they do serious. And let me tell you, I take what we do as a church very seriously. Very seriously. Because this is something I, I do. I believe when I was ordained, that I believe an authority was passed on to me that goes back to Jesus Christ. And don't get freaked out by that. And don't you dare call me a Catholic or a Baptist bride or a landmarker. All right? Don't go making up strawman arguments. I'll cover that here in a little bit. But I do believe what I have is something that is connected to Jesus Christ. That, and that is how He works. And I'm going to show you some examples of that and why I believe that. And I take a church serious. I take the authority that the church has 
very seriously. I take starting churches and making sure it's done right with proper authority very seriously. And I believe what we see going on right now in the United States is very similar to what we see in the book of Acts. We see in the book of Acts the Gospel is being preached everywhere. Not just by the apostles. They're preaching things, but then the people that are listening to them preach, they're going out and preaching the stuff too. The Gospel is spreading. We're going to look at some examples of that. And many of these places where the Gospel is being spread, they had these pockets of believers there. Kind of like what we see going on today where the Gospel, the message we preach is being spread on the Internet and there's people all over this world that are listening to this preaching that are following it, that are going out, they're starting groups, they're soul winning together and they're meeting together and they're trying to figure out what to do next. And part of what I want to do in this message is I want to give some instruction, some biblical instruction to what these people ought to do. I've been out, I've been there to some of these groups. I've been with a group in Morton, Manitoba, a group of good folks that love the Lord, that are soul winning, that have good doctrine, that are meeting together. But you know, there there's some things that they're missing. There's some things that they're lacking. That, but I believe these people are on the right track. There's other groups. I'm going to be next year. I'm planning on going to England, and we're going to be having a soul winning. Uh, a marathon or a camp there in England, meeting with some people there, some believers that are here. The Word of God's being preached. And I believe there are specific things these people need to do. And there's groups like this all over the United States too. And they're kind of wondering what to do because the churches are just dead in this country. The churches are just lame and pathetic. And they're wanting to, they're wanting to know what to do. And I believe that I'm going to be able to show you in this message what they ought to do. And some of them are already doing it. I don't even know if they know that they're doing the right thing or why they're, what they're doing is right, but... They're doing the right thing. And I, want, uh, I think this is going to be a help. But there's also, as a result of what's going on, there's some fake churches popping up. There's some churches that are popping up. There's ordinations happening that are not right, that are not done decently in order. And I'm going to, I'm going to name some of these groups. All right? Because I believe they ought to be marked. I believe they ought to be noticed. I'm going to talk about what's wrong with LOL Baptist. I believe what they did was completely out of line. And their congregation, I, I believe, or what they are doing is completely out of line. I believe it's a joke. I believe it's a shame. And I believe it's going to have some very bad consequences as a result of what they're doing. Now, on their, in their defense, I believe what they're doing is just in pure rank ignorance. I think there's probably some that are attempting to do the right thing, but some of them are just bad people. That, that's their problem. Some of them are just bad people and their leader has proven to be a bad guy. But I do believe there are some people in that midst of that group that are trying to do the right thing, but they're being manipulated, they're being misled. And I'm hoping this sermon will show them where they're going wrong and the ones that are decent will get out of that place because it's, it's not right. I'm going to talk about Valiant Baptist and kind of how they did things and what was wrong with that situation. But I'm also going to talk about All Scripture Baptist because that's another uh, a church that people always try to compare. They're trying to compare what happened at LOL Baptist with All Scripture Baptist. And I do believe there is a clear difference in what took place at All Scripture Baptist versus LOL Baptist. And I'm not even going to call it what they want to call it because I don't want... I can't believe they use the word liberty. That's ours. Alright? But And they don't, they don't even know what that word means. But I, I believe what, all, what happened at All Scripture was so biblical. So I don't even know if they know how right... You know, what they did. But I think they got it right probably just because they were being led to the Holy Spirit, praying about it, and are decent people. That's what I think happened. But I'm going to show you how this all works. 
And I, because I do, when it comes to starting a church, when it comes to an ordination, I do believe there is more than one way to skin a cat. I do, I do believe that. But wherever it's being done, it ought to be done decently and in order. And there are certain elements that must be there, that must be present, that are not in many of these cases, and it's dangerous. There's going to be devastating results as a result of these fake counterfeit churches that are popping up. It's going to be, it's going to be bad. There is no good that it's going to come from them. So what are some principles that should be followed in every church plant, in every ordination? And first off, I do believe that churches start churches and ordain leaders ordain leaders. I believe that is the way things ought to be done. I think we see an example of that in John chapter 20 that we looked at. Jesus breathed on them, said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And turn over to Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. I'm going to show you something. Like I said, what was going on here, I believe, is very similar to what we see going on today. It says, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the Word. Okay, So these are the believers here. These are people that are getting saved. They're getting scattered because of the persecution. But you know what these people are all doing? They're all running around soul winning everywhere they go. Kind of like all these crazy soul winners that are popping up in all these neighborhoods and all these churches. They're just going around, you know, passing, you know, they're soul winning like crazy to the point that it's driving pastors in a lot of these communities nuts. But these people are getting people saved. They're shaking up their communities. They're making a difference. They're not liked by many people, but they're going and they're getting people saved and groups are popping up everywhere. And I think it's a great thing. I think it's exciting. That's what was going on in the book of Acts. Okay. But now what happens when a group in, say, a random city pops up? You know, let's say a group that's in St. Louis. All right. We're going down not far from there in a couple months. If there's a group of believers that are saved, that are preaching the word, you know, amongst the, you know, they're, they're preaching the gospel to other people, they're assembling together. What should we do? What should they do? What is the proper channels they should go through to have a church started? Because that's what we're finding out now is as we go to these cities, there's people there all ready to go that want a church. And we're seeing in a lot of these cities when churches get started, I mean, they're starting out with a good chunk of people. It's not like when we started the church here where we started from scratch. You know, there's people already ready to go that are already soul winning, that are already solid on doctrine, what should these people do? And look at verse 14 of Acts chapter 8. So, so it says, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the Word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. So Samaria has already received the Word of God. Soul winners got to Samaria. And so what do they do? They send Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. So were these people not saved yet? What's this? Why are they praying for them to receive the Holy Ghost? What does that mean? Because they hadn't spoken tongues yet? Is that what we believe? They didn't have something come over on them? You know, John Dorsey didn't come down there and preach a camp meeting sermon and get them all fired up and run in the aisles? What's that talking about when it said they hadn't received the Holy Ghost yet? It says, For as yet he was fallen on none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean when they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus? Okay, What does that mean? Does that mean we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? No, you know what that means? It means they had been baptized under His authority. 
Okay, because we're talking about authority here. That's what, that's the context of this passage. We're talking about authority. So these people had received a baptism under proper authority. They had so that's what that's talking about. And then it says, "What's my spot?" And then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Now, why would Simon want this? Okay, why does Simon, why, does, does Simon want the power to lay his hands on someone and them speak in tongues? And them have a feeling come over them? No, what does he, you know what he wants? He wants the authority is what he wants. I want to be able to do this. Because I want to be able to start my own group. You know, He wants this authority. Let me tell you something. It's always bad people that are looking and just desperate to get that authority. And I'm going to show more. Bad, do never, never trust anyone who just comes in demanding ordination, wanting ordination. Why does he want that authority so bad? Do you have to have... I mean, why, why does it you need it? Why can't you just serve the Lord? Why can't you just be a soul winner? Why is it that people want that so bad? There's a reason for that. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, so verse 20, Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou thought, hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. So what's he talking about? It's a gift of God there. That's salvation, right? No, that's not talking about salvation. The gift of God that came, comes through the laying on of hands is not salvation right there. He says, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. It, Peter's calling this guy out for just being desperate to have this authority. This is bad. Why would it be bad to want to... Get people saved. If that's what that means right there. Why would that be bad? Don't we all want to get people saved? But here he is. He's thinking, I can buy it. And he's, and he's talking about purchasing the gift. Okay, What is that gift? 1 Timothy 4.14, I believe, is what Paul's, it's the same gift Paul's talking about here where he says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee which is, was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. I believe right here he's talking about basically ordination. Neglect not that gift that is in thee. This is something that was put in him not through belief on Christ, but through the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Order of elders was one definition for it. Whatever you want to call it, it's referred to as a gift. Did you know that an ordination, the laying on of hands is a gift? Okay, because this this is what I've been seeing a lot of Fannin's followers doing. He earned his ordination. He deserves this ordination. He did this. He did. Wait a minute. If he earned it, how is it a gift? You say, well, wait. There's qualifications for a bishop. If there's qualifications, then it's not a gift, right? Well, not necessarily, because are there not qualifications for salvation? First off, you have to believe. That's a qualification, isn't it? You have to have faith. But is that a work? No, it's still a gift, isn't it? And here's the thing. Here's why ordination is a gift. 
Because just because you meet the qualifications doesn't mean you get the gift. If we have a training program here and you pass it with fine colors, that doesn't mean you just get the gift. It's not something that you earn. The, the ordination is something that is, it's, it's a work, it is an office that is given to you that basically a congregation, not just the pastor, but when a congregation sees a need and a work to be done, they look at someone who is, fits the qualifications and they say, let's give the job to this person. Let's let them do it. And then you lay hands and you ordain them. Just because you meet qualifications doesn't mean you get the gift. A pastor at any time can say, I'm not going to ordain you for whatever reason. Because it's not something that you earn. It's a gift. It's something that is bestowed on you. It's something that is, is given you. Even Jesus didn't ordain Himself. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1-5. through 5. Hebrews 5... I didn't put that in my notes. Hebrews 5, verses 1-5. through For every high priest is taken from among men, is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifice for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For he hath himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Now that kind of hurts the modalism argument right there too, doesn't it? Because Jesus didn't give himself that honor. He did not honor himself with that. It was given to him by the Father. God ordained him to do that. He didn't ordain him. He didn't ordain himself. No man taketh that on himself. You do not bestow upon yourself the gift like that and honor like that. It is something that is given to you by the proper authority, by the church, by a real church. That's that's who it is given by. Not just you don't get to just go. I mean, if just anybody can lay hands on somebody. In, in the, when it comes to church matters, okay? I heard one of them using an argument from judges where the congregation chose a judge. That's not the church, okay? That's a, that's a completely different office. That's a completely different job. If just any group of people can go and lay hands on somebody, why can't I go grab 12 kids from the park, you know, and let them lay hands on me? All of their kids. Okay, so what's the age qualification then? How old do they have to be? How many do I have to have? I mean, is that really doing something decently and in order in a biblical way? When you understand that a church is a real thing. Churches don't just spring up out of nowhere. Churches start churches and you don't get to just take any clowns off the street and let them lay hands on you and give you that gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, that, doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. But yet, that is exactly what happened at LOL Baptist. And people ought to LOL about that. But I, you know, I can't LOL about that because I take this stuff too seriously. It just makes me mad. It makes me mad when I see people making a joke out of the things of God, making a mockery out of the authority of God, calling themselves something that they are not. That is wicked. And it, it infuriates me greatly, especially when they try to say, we believe just like you guys. We have the same doctrine. You guys, that Jake Strickland guy who was the one who preached for it, the guy's a liar and a clown and ignorant. 
And yet, he's leading this thing. It, ma- it makes no sense. And I, I, don't, I don't know if I have time to get into all the reasons why what went on there is illegitimate and just flat out wrong. And I haven't said much publicly about Fannin, but you know, I've been quiet about that thing long enough. They are out of line, out of order, have been from day one, and they're just going farther and farther downhill. And I, for one, I am not for it one bit. I think that place needs to close up, fold up. I think any decent people in that church need to get out. Because it is, it is out of line, it's out of authority. Congregations, they can choose people for a task, but they can't give authority that's not theirs to give. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 6, because I heard Fannin try to use this passage. I mentioned this. I, listening to Fannin interpret the book of Acts is one of the most painful things in the world. I mean, it's like, really? You're going you're gonna to interpret the Scriptures that way? And once again, everybody wants to go to the book of Acts and they look at what they did and they want to like create a doctrine around it. He said, and there's ways that, that can be appropriate, but there's ways that often gets greatly misused. The way it mainly gets misused, they never look at context. They don't read the whole passage. It's like one verse. Look what they did. But wait a minute. Why did they do that? You know, why, what did they do that for? There's a lot of questions that you've got to answer. They never answer these things. But look what it says in Acts 6, verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they, the multitude... Now watch this. Fanning gets part of this right. The multitude chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they, the multitude, set before the apostles. And when they prayed, they laid their hands on them. Who laid their hands on the multitude of the apostles? It was the apostles. Okay? The multitude didn't have the authority of laying on of hands. It was the apostles that had been given that authority. It was the apostles that did that. And the apostles laid hands. And this is why I think, I believe, if we're going to ordain somebody, you better believe I want our congregation to be involved in that. If you know something about this guy, why they shouldn't be ordained, I want to know about it. I don't want to ordain, I'm not going to ordain somebody that's been a pain in the neck in the church, that everybody in the church hates, that everybody thinks is a terrible person. I want to, I'm going to ordain somebody that the congregation wants. And if there is a, a group somewhere out there, that is meeting together and they have someone that's kind of a leader among them and they're saying, man, this, we believe this guy's called for you to be a pastor. We're following this guy. He's leading. He's doing great. That will mean a lot to me. But if I was to go to one of these groups in another country or somewhere and they've got nothing but bad things to say about that guy, I'm not just going to go, well, I don't, you, you haven't had the laying on the hands of the presbytery, so I'm not going to listen to you. Now, I'd be a fool not to listen to them. I'm going to listen to them. I want to see what the congregation has to say. But then when it comes time to lay on the hands, the congregation's not going to lay hands on. We see here it was the apostles that did it. And he used this passage to prove that it's like the congregation that does the laying on of hands. No, the congregation can do the choosing, but you better believe that there's going to be a proper ordained authority somewhere that's going to check up and see, is this okay? And I guarantee you, there was probably some questioning that the apostles did. The apostles probably already knew these guys. I guarantee you they had taken notice of Stephen before, a man who was full of faith in the Holy Ghost like they said. They knew who he was. 
And so when they brought him forth, what did they do? The apostles laid hands on them. Why? Because not just anybody can go laying on, do the laying on of hands. It was the, it has to be the proper people and the proper throne. I couldn't believe it when I heard him use that passage. And so, what about these congregations of believers that are popping up all over? What should they do? And I do. I, I, they should do the best they can with what they have. And I do. I think in a, in a best case situation, if there is a congregation of believers in another city somewhere in another country, I think what they ought to do is seek out someone among them who is qualified, and I think they ought to have them be an authority over their congregation. However, they still are not a church and he still is not a pastor until him and that church has been confirmed by a legitimate church. Okay? Now, what does that mean? To be, to be confirmed by a legitimate church. Okay? And I use the word confirmed. So I'm sure Clown Fannin, who acted like this kind of thing was Baptist brighter and Catholic and all that, he'll probably call me a Lutheran or something like that because they do their confirmations and things. But what, but what does that mean? Well, turn to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 20. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 20. We see this word used uh, a few times in the Bible. And it says, And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Okay? Jesus is doing all these, he's, you know, he, there, or he's, preaching all these things to him. And what is he doing? He's confirming, he's proving what he is saying is true by the miracles that he did. Okay? And that word confirming, it can mean uh, strengthening, ratifying, but also giving additional evidence or proof. Or establishing is another definition. And that word establishing uh, definition, it means settling permanently, founding, ratifying, confirming, or ordaining. Okay? But those those miracles that Jesus did, they proved that his message was legitimate. Okay, here he is claiming things. He needs something to confirm what he's saying is true, and the miracles is what confirmed it. Now, what confirms what we preach is true today? The word of God confirms it. Okay, I don't have to do a magic trick or a miracle. I, I confirm what I'm preaching from the word of God. That's how we do that today. Look in Acts chapter 14, verse 21. It says that when they talking about Paul and Barnabas had preached the gospel of that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples. And look at this. And exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting. Look at this. Okay, Fanny needs to bring this up when he tries to call me a Catholic or a Baptist writer. Look what it says here. They commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. You know what it's saying right here? Paul and Barnabas, they go into the city and what do they happen to find? There's a whole bunch of believers here. They're out there preaching the Word. They're getting people saved. They've got good doctrine. I mean, these people, they've gotten organized. They're doing good things. This is good. This is a legitimate group. This is wonderful what is going on here. And so what did they do? They confirm the souls. You know what they're doing? They're checking. Hey, all right, we got a bunch of people here saying they're believers. What's your testimony? How'd you get saved? Wow, you know, they're answering things right. These people are saved. Hey, what have you all been doing as a church? You mean you all been you've been out soul winning? 
Hey, what are you teaching on this doctrine? What are you teaching on? They're teaching all the right doctrines. And so what do they do? When they confirmed these people are saved, they exhorted them to continue in the faith. You know what they said? Keep doing what you're doing. You know what these groups that are popping up out there that are starting churches like Sound Words Baptist Church in Toronto, Sound Doctrine Baptist in Manitoba, you know, churches like that that don't really have any scriptural authority behind them yet, you know what they ought to do? They need to keep doing what they're doing. They need to get organized. They need to keep on doing the work. They need to keep on preaching the Word. And hopefully one of these days, a pastor is going to go through there and they're going to see what's going on in this church and say, wow, yeah, these are saved people in this church. Man, this church is doing a great work. Or this, this group's doing a great work. They're getting people saved. Man, they've got good doctrine. This is a good man. They, he's got a good report of the people in this church. They've chosen to follow him. They're following his lead. They are wanting him to receive an ordination. And if I can, if I confirm that everything's good here, then I have the authority to go and as a pastor of Liberty Baptist Church say, you know, I have found this to be a good congregation. This is a good church. They have good doctrine. This is a good man. These are saved people. And I would go and I could lay my hands on them and could, and ordain them and give that authority. And then notice, okay, we're not thinking Catholic because if we were Catholic, we'd all be connected and I'd stay in authority over them. But you know what the Apostle Paul did after they did these things? It says when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. You know what they did after they laid hands on? They said, now you're the Lord's. In other words, alright, we're done. They walked away. There was now an independent church. Now, why couldn't they have already been an independent church? Because they had a congregation. They were doing all the works. They they probably had a, they had leaders in that church. You know why? Because they didn't they had not been given that gift of the Holy Ghost. Proper authority had not been transferred yet. But when these men that you could trust went there and saw that sure enough they're doing the work, they did. They confirmed it was good. They laid hands. They received the Holy Ghost and they walked away. All right. This is Jesus Christ is the head of your church. You go obey Him. You have our blessing. That's what's going on right there. In Acts 15, verse 41, it says, and he went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. Why is he doing that? Remember, because the Word of God's being spread all over the place. Believers are meeting together, but they need that proper authority. They needed that laying on of hands of the Holy Ghost. Because what's the significance too of the laying on the hands of the Holy Ghost? Well, what did Peter, or what did Jesus say? Before He ascended up to heaven, He told them that they were to tarry in Jerusalem until they had received the Holy Ghost. Now, what does that mean? And ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. They needed to wait for that power. They needed to wait for that authority that came from the Holy Ghost. And we see that authority continued to be passed on by the laying on of hands, always from people who had their hand, you know, somebody lay hands on them. That's exactly what we see going, uh, what we see going on in the book of Acts. So the men in the congregation who lay hands on a leader, I, I believe it should be other people in a church that has not been confirmed yet. Preferably, it ought to be people who meet the qualifications themselves. You know, because how many does it take? You know, well, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Well, here's the problem: if they're not a legitimate church yet, they're not really gathered together in His name. In His name, 
under his authority. Okay? We he said we can't have two or three kids at the park go establish a church over there. Okay, we're going to do things decently in order. There's a way these things ought to be done. We don't believe that some five year old can go baptize his little sister who got saved in their swimming pool. It, there's proper authority. God gave that to the church. There's ways these things ought to be done. Now, how one church does it from another church, there's going to be some differences. And that's fine. There's areas where it can be different, but it does need to be done under the authority of that church. Just because you're voting age doesn't mean you're now qualified to lay hands on somebody. So, and I saw some of those clowns that were laying... I didn't know all the guys laying hands on Fannin. I knew some of those guys and I'm thinking, good night. That's embarrassing. The group, some of them hadn't even been saved very long at all. And then even Fannin, when he's about, before they, when they're going to lay hands on him, you know, they were talking about this new spirit that they have. Why? Because he's totally changed his spirit in the last six months. You know, after things have been, you know, conveniently changed, now he's got a new attitude. We've got a new spirit. Well, hey, punk, how about if you, this new spirit is the way to go, why don't you have it for more than six months before somebody ordains you as a leader? If you've got this whole new way of doing things, how about you prove it first? How about you test it out first? But no, six months later, after he fails miserably in a crisis situation, what does he do? He gets a bunch of just knuckleheads. There's blind followers who got their feelings hurt by Pastor Anderson and Pastor Shelley to just go and defiantly lay their hands on him. Uh, one of the guys was a guy who pre who got the uh, Jesus mixed up with the Antichrist. I'm preaching through the Book of Revelation. That's who you want laying hands on you? A novice like that? Said I don't know who all these people are. I know the one guy's a liar. He's talking about me. Like you know, I, I mentioned when I had talked to him or when he called me. You know how you know I caught him lying and things like that. He was like, "What are you talking about? You called me, acting like I reached out to him." Okay, now did I hit dial on the phone? Yes, but it was after he's leaving comments, leaving messages, telling me to call him, leaving his phone number on a YouTube comment, telling me to call him. So okay, fine. I dialed the number. I hit dial, but it was him that reached out to me. But he's making out like I reached out to him. Like, I really care. Now, I'll listen to what you have to say. I was hoping maybe I could straighten him out. I failed. It didn't happen. Because it turns out the guy is just a liar. And then he's on there too. He's talking about, we had some people from Faithful Word, you know, come visit our church. But that's okay. You know, we're, we'll be nice to you and we won't tell on you either. What's he doing now? He's trying to cause division. He's trying to cause drama. The guy is a snake. That's one of them laying hands on fan. And that's the kind of clowns he got. Do we just let any clown go lay hands on someone and just call him a pastor? Any group of people come around and just declare themselves a church? Is that doing things decently in order? Is that making a mockery of the things of God? That is making a mockery of the things of God and it makes me sick. I, I, I hate that kind of stuff and it needs to be called out. So I believe in already established church. I do believe that they can select their new pastor without the help of another pastor. Now, if they get the help of another pastor, that's fine. If they, you know, when when uh, steadfast need another pastor, they had Pastor Anderson come in and he laid hands again on Pastor Shelley. I personally don't think that was necessary. But was it wrong for him to do that? No. If if he has a different way of doing things, pastors can have. So there's areas where we can be different on kind of how we ordain. And, you know, some churches, they ordain for every single position, think you need to get ordained in every single new job. I don't really think that's necessary.
But at the same time, if somebody wants to do it that way, that's fine. Here's the thing. You know, the reason I have no problem with them doing that, as long as they're making it clear what the person, you know, where, where the authority is that they're given, they've given that person. If another church says, well, we're just going to ordain them for everything, okay, that's fine, but understand you ordain somebody for everything, you better make sure they're qualified for everything. You know, some might say, well, that's a little reckless doing that. It's fine. A church can decide how they want to do that. And that's going to vary from church to church and from pastor to pastor. But either way, it was real clear, you know, when Pastor Shelley, who, you know, this pastor of Steadfast now, everyone knows the man is truly ordained and qualified. Pastor Anderson laid hands on him to start pure words, and he did it again at Steadfast. Alright? I mean, there's no doubt about the legitimacy there. There's no doubt about the backing there. There's no doubt that some proper authority had taken place. And I think that's fine. I, I think a congregation, though, if, for example, if something happened and I quit pastoring here, I personally think it would be appropriate and it'd be fine if you all just hired another pastor or voted in another pastor. And if he's already had the laying on of hands of the presbytery, I don't think it needs to be done again. I don't think you need to call another pastor in to come and do it. But if you did, that's fine too. Some pastors, when they turn, when they uh, pass the torch on to the next pastors, I've seen some pastors literally get up in church and hand over a shepherd's staff. Now, I think that's fine. Because what are they doing? They're showing the church that, hey, this is the guy in authority now. If the pastor wants to lay hands on him, he can. If he wants to hand him the golden scepter, or I don't know, whatever, whatever they can, as long as they're showing, hey, there's some, this is, this is right, there's proper authority, the church is in agreement on it. However they do, it's going to vary. But either way, the authority comes from another church, a real church, and I do believe ordained leadership needs to be involved. And I think if somebody is already an ordained leader, he can come into a congregation and a congregation can set them up as pastor. And if somebody else does that a little different, that's fine. I don't have a problem that I will fellowship with someone like Pastor Shelley who had his hands laid on again when he went to Steadfast, and I'll fellowship with somebody who didn't have their hands laid on again when they started church like Pastor Boyle did in Florida. I'll fellowship with both of them. But you know who I won't fellowship with? Pandit. He never had the laying on of hands of the Presbytery. He had the laying on of hands of the clowns. You know, that's what he had. And a bunch of dimwits that don't know what they're doing. That, that's what he had. I believe there, I, and I, I believe there's more than one process to which an ordination can be done, but it's gotta be done with proper authority, the church. And when a church is started, there should be a church and a pastor that are behind them. And once you give that to them, once you give that gift, you don't get to take it back. I had a preacher tell me one time I could have my ordination taken away. He wasn't even a part of my ordination. But he told me he could be taken away. And I was just like, well, first off, I don't agree with that. Second of all, if I'm going to get my ordination taken away, all seven men that laid hands on me are going to have to agree, and one of them's dead, and so I'm sure he's on my side right now because he's in heaven. <laughs> so good luck getting there. Good, good luck getting all seven of them to do that. And you know what? I don't think you have to have seven. But either way, you know, what, the way my ordination was, I'm not gonna, I don't have time to go into all the different methods. It was very public. The church was involved. Ordained leadership was involved. There, is, there was no doubt about what was being given to me. Everyone knew. It says in Acts chapter 8, verse 20, 
But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. It is. It's a gift. You don't get to take it back. Timothy had a gift that was in him by the laying on the hands of the presbytery. And so once again, just because someone meets qualifications doesn't mean they automatically get the gift. Someone has to give it to them. Somebody's got to give it to them. Nobody wanted to give it to Fannin. Nobody. Tyler Baker. Nobody wanted to give it to Tyler Baker except his daddy. Now, as far as I know, Tyler Baker's dad had the authority to do the laying on of hands. His, as far as I know, his dad's church was a legitimate church. He was an ordained pastor. But here's what I will tell you. Tyler Baker's dad greatly misused his authority. He abused the power he had because it was his son. His son had left that church to go to Pastor Anderson's church to get trained, to get ordained there. Less than like a year before, he was at, he was preaching, calling the church that he was originally from a bunch of stinking losers. He goes to Pastor Anderson's church, gets found out to be an unsaved heretic, gets fired. But what if he like Simon the sorcerer? I want that power. I need that power. Somebody lay hands on me. Somebody lay hands on me. The only way to get to do it is his daddy. So he goes back to the stinking losers church. You know, and has them do it. They do it. He does it because it's his son. He greatly misused that authority. And you know what he did? He created a monster. He gave authority to an unsaved devil heretic. And there he is starting his valiant Baptist trash can down there in Jacksonville, same place as LOL Baptist, preaching trash, preaching garbage that's going to send people to hell. And you know what is interesting about his church? is there doesn't seem to be any authority. There doesn't seem to be any Holy Ghost in that church. All they can get are disgruntled people from faithful word. All His people that ever preach for Him, all they ever want to preach on is oneness. Why? Because they got nothing else. They're still just trying to defend themselves. He's just constantly talking about oneness, oneness, trying to prove oneness, oneness. Why? He's trying to prove He's legit because they're spinning their wheels going nowhere down there. You know, Because they have no power. They have no, they have no authority because God's not blessing them because of the fact that they believe heresy and because he's unsaved. And his dad went and greatly misused the authority that he had because if his dad wouldn't have ordained him, I don't think he, I don't think he probably would have went down there. I don't know. He might have anyway. He could have pulled a fanon. I don't know. But either way, that was wicked what took place. He misused his authority greatly and he ought to be ashamed of himself. So, anyone who demands a gift or does, or does what they do only so they can get the gift is a bad person who shouldn't get the gift. Don't go have two kids so you'll be qualified. Okay? You don't, that is not why you have kids. You do not go get a wife so you will be qualified. You do not read your Bible through ten times so you will be qualified. You're just supposed to do all those things because it's the right thing to do. And if you've been doing all those things because it's the right thing to do, hopefully one of these days the Holy Spirit will lead a pastor and a congregation to say, you know what? This is a good person. Here's a need somewhere. Let's have them be the ones to do it. And then you will be ordained. You ought to do these things whether you ever get ordained or not. And if you never get ordained, that should be fine. That may not be God's will for you. But if you do, if you do receive that gift... Thank God for it. But anybody who's like Simon, 
just desperate to receive that authority, so desperate like Fannin to go and just have a pretend ordination with a bunch of clowns from his church, they are people that we ought to stay away from. They are not somebody that we ought to fellowship with. And I'm not fellowshipping with that. You cannot pass on a gift that you do not possess yourself. Why is it? Why is it that in Titus, in chapter 1, verse 5, Paul said, For this cause left I thee in Crete that thou shouldest set in order things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Why couldn't the congregation have done that? Why couldn't the congregation have ordained these people? You know, he sent Titus because Titus was an ordained leader. Titus is going to see. He's going to confirm these churches. Hey, I went to this one place, but their doctrine's off. There's division in this church. There's five guys fighting over who's going to be the pastor. I can't do nothing there. But you know, he goes over to this other church, man. These people are united. They're on fire for God. They're preaching the Word. Their doctrine's good. They have agreed. They're putting forth this one man. And I've talked to him. He's a good man. He meets the qualifications. And you know what? Titus ordained them. Why? He had the authority to do that. Why would they need to send a guy like this if congregations can just pop up and ordain people? You know why he said Titus? Because they needed Titus. And you know what? These groups that are meeting in these other countries, they need a Titus. They need a pastor. They need an ordained leader to pay attention to them, to see what's going on, to go out and visit. Pastor Perry is doing the same thing with the group in South Africa right now. A group that he's been out there to see. He's seen what's going on. There's good things going on. He's planning on going out there again. And if things are in order, you know what he's going to do? He's going to confirm the church. He's going to ordain the man. And that's biblical. And, and how he, in every little detail of how he does it, honestly, it's up to him. It's up to that church. You know, some guys are doing satellite churches. You know, I can't say there's something biblically wrong with that. One thing I do know when they're doing these satellite churches, it's very clear that somebody, that this, it's under the authority of another church. They're showing proper authority and they're not giving these guys authority until they can confirm that there's nothing wanting. And there's more than one way you can skin a cat. There's more than one way that can be done. And how they choose to do it, it's up to them, but it's up to the church. It's up, it's up to them. It's got to have the proper authority. So what should believers who are without biblical authority do? Well, I believe just like in the book of Acts, groups of believers and disciples of Jesus, they are they're springing up. They want to start good churches, but they don't always have a church who will support them and ordain leaders. So what should they do? Look what it says in Acts chapter 14 and verse 21. And we looked at this before, but I just want to point it out again. And when they, talking about Paul and Barnabas, had preached the Gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that they, through much tribulation, should enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained the elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they had believed. You know what they ought to do? These groups ought to do in these other countries and in other cities even in the United States? First off, they need to keep going soul winning. They need to keep on going soul winning. I believe they ought to get organized the best they can. You know how they get organized? You know, I mean, it's up to them. They, a, a, a good group of good Christian people 
with some responsible adults, they ought to be able to figure out, you know, how, the best way to meet and just figure out the logistics of everything. If they got to call me up and ask them every little thing that they need to do, they're not adults yet, you know, and I can't necessarily go babysit. I think they need to figure out how to get organized best they can. I believe if they're able, they ought to appoint someone. I believe they could, if they wanted, they could appoint someone as le- as leader and follow his leadership. I don't. I, I think that would be fine and appropriate if that congregation, that group of people, got together and say, "Listen, all right, you know, brother so and so, you know, you you meet the qualifications. Would you be willing to kind of lead our group as we try to get established and hopefully get some proper authority behind us?" And if they do that, if that congregation wants to do like they did at LOL Baptist and lay hands on the guy, pray, whatever, so whatever, so it's public, so everybody knows what's going on, I think that's fine. But they're still short of being a legitimate church. And he's still short of being an ordained pastor with that gift of the Holy Ghost. He's still short of that. And so what they ought to do after they've done that, I think they ought to seek to be confirmed by a real church with an ordained leader. And you know who I think they should not go to? Tyler Baker's dad. Because I tell you what, I'll never trust anybody that's out of his church now that I know how careless and reckless he is with who he sends out. You know who I would never go, who I wouldn't go to? I wouldn't go to LOL Baptist Church to receive an ordination there. When we all know it's fake, I would go to someone with trusted leadership. And you say, well, the thing is, how do we know? Because you say it's something that's passed on. How do we know there's not a line broken somewhere? Well, let me tell you something. I don't have time to get into all this. But you know what? When it's not of God, it is revealed. And let me tell you something about LOL Baptist Church. I guarantee you, over time, we're going to see crazy doctrines popping up out of that church. You know why? Because it's not of God. He doesn't have the gift in Him of the Holy Ghost. So we're going to see crazy doctrine. It will manifest itself. Um, I'm thinking of Tyler Doka. Unordained. No one sent him out. Fake church. Pretended to be one. Something that he wasn't. Guess what? It was revealed. This guy is a fraud. This guy is a phony. Tyler Baker has already revealed himself as a complete fraud and as a complete unsaved heretic. There's no doubt about that. God reveals who the ones are that actually have the Holy Ghost and who doesn't. And while I can't go and show you my genealogy going back to Jesus Christ, and nobody can do that, I do think, hopefully, I have displayed that, you know what? I know how to preach the truth. You know, the Lord is using the preaching, you know, my preaching. The Lord is using Liberty Baptist Church. I think it's clear that what we've got going on here is of God. God is doing things and God will show Himself strong and show Himself real and that which is legitimate and that which is fraudulent will reveal itself. And folks, it already has. The very fact, to me, Fannin has already been revealed a fraud just by what we know about the people who laid hands on him. One of the guys that laid hands on him, he's only been saved a couple years. He hasn't been saved very long. He left the Ruckmanite church not that long ago. He told me this because he left this Ruckmanite church after hearing my preaching. And that, and really, that guy's already laying hands. That guy's ordaining somebody already. Uh, he might be a good guy. I, I like the guy. I think he's a good guy. I think he's being misled. To me, proof he's not qualified to be doing anything like that is the fact that he's willing to lay hands on Fannin. You know, and... 
I'm sad for these people. I hate seeing people misled by that. But folks, the proof is in the pudding. Fannin has revealed what he is. Guys like Tyler Baker. So no matter what happens from here on out, even if more people start going to their church, it's already been revealed by God what these people are. And anyone who gets involved with them, anyone who continues to stay involved with these people are going to get what they deserve. And unfortunately, God does not always remove the counterfeits and the phonies from the face of the earth, which is what we would all like to see. But you know what He does do? He does reveal them as counterfeits. And these guys have already been revealed as counterfeits. And there's a very good reason. All Scripture Baptists, okay, one of the things they did, after they, first off, they were actually started out of a church. They actually had proper authority starting out. But then, that congregation, when they were in a crisis situation, actually had a man step up and take leadership and keep the church together. And that congregation, they chose him as a leader. Now, what their thinking was, what their thought process was when it was all going on, I don't know. I haven't talked to them. But I will say this, I do know Pastor Grayson Fritz was seeking a lot of counsel, was talking to a lot of people. I was one of the people he even talked to. And they did. They kind of appointed him as leader. I still think technically that was a little short of where they needed to be. But you know what we saw not long after that? Pastor Anderson, who had also been keeping an eye on that place, who knew Pastor Fritz, he went out there. He saw that, hey, this is going good. These guys are preaching right. They're doing the right thing. You know what he did? He confirmed that church. And he laid hands on that man. And he received the Holy Ghost. And let me tell you something. Pastor Fritz, since then, his preaching has improved. Pastor Fritz, since them, has been showing that he is of the same Spirit. Why? Because of the fact that man has received a great deal of persecution, like the one who laid hands on him. And you know what he did in the face of that persecution? He stood up to those people. He did the right thing. He showed himself a true man of God. God has already revealed that he is behind that man and he is behind that church. He's not out there preaching dumb, crazy heresy. You know what he's doing? He's standing up in the face of strong severe opposition and he's boldly proclaiming the truth versus what we see with Fannin. And let me tell you, it's an insult and it's foolishness to even try to compare those two situations. There is, If you can't see the difference, you can't see. And I'm telling you folks, we've got to take this stuff serious. We need to keep these things decent and in order. Ordination is an important thing. The authority that a church has is an important thing. And then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some things too where the church has authority. People are like, well, show me in the Bible. The church said, there's some things that God left to the church. We've got some authority and it packs a punch. And we better take it seriously because if we misuse it, God will... God will finish us. He will remove our candlestick. And I don't want that happening to our church. So that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. I pray, Lord, that this was a help. I pray that this was clear. I pray, that, Lord, that this will uh, be a blessing to those who are meeting in other parts of the world, in other, other countries, and other cities in the United States that are trying to do the right thing, but they're without proper leadership. I pray this will give them guidance on what they uh, need to do from here on out. And I pray that You'll bless it. I pray You'll enable pastors who are doing the work, doing the right thing to be able to get out there and help these places, help them get established, help them get confirmed. I pray that, uh, Lord, You will continue to do what You have already done. I pray that You will reveal the counterfeits. I pray that You will show them, uh, the world, uh, what they really are. 
So people will have no excuse to so no innocent people will fall prey uh, to these cults and these uh, wicked churches that are popping up. And I pray you'll uh, bless our church. Help us to uh, continue to use the authority that's been given to us in a proper way. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.